When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, the century of the burning of Mitchellstown Castle, part of a wider series of events that occurred right across North Cork 100 years ago in 1922 during the Civil War, forms part of a book by writer and historian Bill Power, who I'm delighted to say joins me this morning to talk about his latest book called Doomed Inheritance. Uh, Good morning to you, um, Bill. Good morning, Patricia. And uh, you're very welcome. And firstly, congratulations. I have just been, I've done nothing, I think, for the last week except to have my head buried in your book. It's, it really is wonderful. <laughs> now, you didn't write this book over a weekend. Just as best you can outline the amount of research that you have to put in to get a book like this together. Uh, huge is, is the short word for it. It's not something that you can do overnight. And it's, I suppose, my knowledge of this subject goes back to when, what, 40 years ago? Um, when I first started to get interested and you'd hear stories from different people, sometimes the stories didn't ma- match the fact that I found later on. Very often they didn't, actually. Um, but it just builds up and your knowledge builds up and you realise the connections between people and the, the relationships, both in terms of family connections and political connections and other kind of connections. Um, and the more you go on, the more the pieces kind of fall together and it it falls naturally out of my brain at this stage because I just know it inside out. You have a passion for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd have to. I mean, it's a subject that, first of all, the family are interesting and they're contradictory like all our families are. You have the good, the bad and the ugly in those families. You also have um, the fact that they created something absolutely incredible and it's been forgotten. And also they've created other things incredible like Mitchellstown, Kildorley, Bellinanders, Kilbehenny, Ballyperine. They built those places. And that's forgotten in those places. Those t- towns and villages wouldn't have existed without them. Whereas if the castle was still there, they would still be remembered. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, they're only gone. In many respects, they're only gone because the castle was looted and burned. Um, and they weren't given the opportunity, as happened, for example, in Capaquin House, where the owners got sufficient compensation. They were able to rebuild. That didn't happen in Mitchellstown. And that's to do with the kind of political feelings of the time as well where when they were compensated, and uh, this was another dimension of it, that when the castle was born and when places were destroyed and people's property were stolen, they were compensated by the state, mm. i.e. the taxpayer. So not only were we robbed of having these buildings and these structures of international importance, but we also had to pay for the privilege of losing them. And people don't realise that. No, you know, they didn't get anywhere near what they sought by way of compensation. But it was still a huge burden on a very new country that was essentially broke in its, in its early decades. 
that was trying um, to build itself trying to build country. itself yeah, and, and yeah. the devastation that was left in various parts of, of Ireland North Cork in particular in particular was very badly hit uh, the, of the 300 big houses in Ireland burned at the time of the War of Independence and Civil War the, 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 a significant percentage of that is in North Cork yeah, and it's just what I what I've got annoyed reading your book, not with your writing, but um, it's just it's the senseless nature of it, which which we're going to try to get into um, during our interview today. But you you were at pains on the cover to say it's doomed inheritance, Mitch's Castle looted and burned, uh, August nineteen twenty two. Not everybody likes to hear you use the term looted. Correct, because it is the truth, and the truth hurts. For long enough in Mitchellstown, and it's not just Mitchellstown, these things happen elsewhere as well. It's, it's, it's not unique to one place. The looting preceded the burning and there were other motives involved. I, I can recall many years ago um, when my book White Nights, Dark Girls came out, 22 years ago, I was totally baffled by some of the reaction because the evidence didn't match the reaction. And I would say the same sometimes with this as well. Um, and I remember going to the son of a, a former, um, now deceased, Fianna Fáil TD and saying, look, Liam, this doesn't make sense at all. I don't understand. There's no evidence to say that there were bad landlords. And what he said to me was that when he was a young fella, he used to go around with his old fella and they'd visit all the diehard houses. They were Fianna Fáil. Um, and he said, basically, the, the, the bottle of whiskey was taken out for the TD. He, as a young fella, was given a bottle of lemonade. And he said, invariably around Mitchellstone, all the conversations turned to the burning of the castle. And he said every one of them to a man admitted that the Kingstons were good landlords. Burning the castle had nothing to do with whether they were good landlords or bad landlords. It was just time to get rid of them. And then they had to come up with the excuse. But in Mitchellstown you had the added complication that the looting became very extensive in maybe a week, two week period before the castle was actually burned. And the fact of the matter is that Liam Lynch, who was Chief of Staff of, of the IRA, um, he there are there is correspondence between him and George Power, who was officer commanding the um, Cork Number no. Two Brigade in North Cork, where they are writing to each other about the strong room in Mitchellstown Castle having been broken into. This needed to be investigated. Power was instructed by Lynch to try and go out and recover the silver and return it because this was going to look very bad on the Republicans. Now the failure of communication and and. The, the lack of, of honesty sometimes in these dispatches um, also indicates that power wasn't fully aware of who was behind what was happening and what was happening. And I think that he was being misled by his officers on the ground in Mitchell's oh, Yeah, and the extent of, of how yes, much because was, they were been, all was being looted and stolen. I mean, the, it's, yeah. uh, it, so, uh, so can we, we conclude from your book that the only reason Mitchellstown Castle was burned to the ground was to cover up for the looting? Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, yes, it was. It, yes, there was bitterness from the land war. There was justifiable bitterness towards landlordism. I, I get all that. But actually, that doesn't account for the fact of what happened. It survived the war of independence. Just just think about that. And there was a, a short period of complete anarchy in North Cork. That anarchy really began in June 22 and extended its, itself into September, October um, of 1922. And in that period, of if I take a specific period of about two weeks in August 1922, there was a phenomenal level of destruction across North Cork. Mitchellstown Castle was the only house burned in that particular period.
All the other targets could arguably be considered military targets. Or the ten, because I know you're talking about the ten arch bridge in in, yes. in Mallow, and you t- he told a story that I didn't know. The other bridge in Mallow, they they were going to try and blow that up, except the local priest and the local rector stood the rector on and it. The parish priest went on the bridge and led a vigil. Told the IRA, if you're going to blow this up, you'll have to blow us. Yeah, and, and that's what saved the bridge. That's what's yeah. that's now. You what what you've really captured as well in this in this uh, in this book uh, is what's lost to the area and and the, the the contents. I mean, it's absolutely magnificent. Looking at some of uh, the photographs. Um, t- okay, tell me firstly where how you've you've how you some of these photographs you have yourself. Where did all the photographs come from and the paintings? Yeah, I've been collecting photographs for at least forty years, um, and one of the main sources is actually a large photograph album, um, which one of the family still has in London. He's Con Weber, and um, there's probably about fifteen or twenty photographs in that. Um, these are large ten by eight photographs, and they're views of the castle that have never been seen before. I, I've been aware of them for over 20 years. I've, I currently have a loan of the album. Um, they're absolutely unique because there's views of the interior where we can see things in the interior and I know where some of them are, right? And Thus proving that looting took place. Yes. And also there are views of the exterior from angles in the domain that simply other views don't exist. And um, every photograph to me adds a little bit of information. For example, there's a very ordinary photograph in the book showing a section at the back of the castle and um, there is no other view of that section and it's, it's just showing the roof of a building and it's showing some walls but when I look at that I can see the coal that's still left there because mm-hmm. they didn't bother with that and actually that's the only only little bit of the building still standing at the back of the factory is that section now it's it's in quite a ruinous state now um, but you know every photograph you look at you learn something even take something like the gallery now, the gallery is quite a big room. That was 100 feet long, 22 feet wide, 36 feet high. And, and as I point out in St. George's Art Centre, um, our building in the interior, when, when you're sitting there, is 65 feet long. Mm. It's 20 feet wide and the ceiling is 36 feet high, right? But inside in that room, I have several photographs of that particular room. But every photograph tells me a slightly different story because they're taken from different periods where you see furniture has been changed or isn't there at all because they moved it elsewhere in the castle. So every, every photograph tells a story. And it, it's interpreting and understanding that, for example, there's, there's one photograph of the gallery where you can see electric lights yeah. hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. I know that has to be after 1902, yeah, because that's when it got electricity. electricity came, yeah. Uh, uh, but the value of, um, I mean, I'm looking at the photographs of the, of the drawing room. I mean, you're talking Downton Abbey. It's just... Mm. Everything in those photographs, all of that furniture, the piano, the silverware, the clocks, the plates, uh, they were valuable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're looking for, for example, one of the paintings that, that uh, we use the phrase disappeared um, was by Gainsborough. Now, I know that Gainsborough sell between 20 and 30 million. I know of a location where, um, and I have to be careful here, where, the, where I believe there are paintings. Um, I know of paintings that were sold in the 1950s in Sotheby's that were believed to come out of Mitchellstown. And um, that's just the paintings. But then you start looking at the silver. I have seen um, items of silver that came out of the castle. I never say where I've seen them because the present generation isn't to blame for anything that happened 100 mm-hmm. years ago. You know, And I want to be very clear about that. Uh, if I had a piece of silver, I'd be quite happy to have it. 
Um, but equally, um, you know, there were things like items of furniture. There's, there's one photograph in the castle that shows a piano. Now, I know where the piano is, but when you look at the other items in that room, you see items that were easily put under your arm and walked out the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you're a trying lot, to yeah, move a, a piano. Of, a lot of the ornaments, yeah, yeah. 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 Of course, plates, ornaments, oh, it's that just kind of stuff. Such, you know? It's just such a, a loss to, to the area. Um, it, it, it really is. It's, it, 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 you know, it's heartbreaking. What about, would there have been historical records that would have oh, been yeah. destroyed? Well, I mean, this was the other consequence of, of losing the castle. We lost whatever records there were of Mitchellstown, ordinary Mitchellstown people, because what wasn't burned in the castle was subsequently burned in a fire that I know took place in King Square when all the records of the estate were literally dumped into a fire and burned. And I know that because I interviewed a man, um, God, 30 years ago now, John Daly, who actually told me he was young for taking the objects that were thrown out the window at him and he threw them in the fire. We also lost whatever was in the castle. I mean, there were thousands of books there. So anybody who loves books to hear that a book has been burned. I mean, they would have been libraries. They would have been a library, yeah. I mean, I, I knew of a house in Mitchellstown, not too far from where I live, that um, there was a significant collection of books in the house that were believed to have come from the castle. Um, and the person now, he's dead quite a long while. But, you know. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. These things were known in Mitchellstown. When I was a young lad, the adults talked about it. And as I've often been reminded, you know, adults forget that children have ears. Mm. You'd hear these things. As a child, you're fascinated. You have to be. Um, Do you think the items should be returned? I don't... It's a difficult question. I suppose if I was one of the family, I'd say yes. But I'm more inclined to say, what's the point now? Mm. Um, you have them. Um, yeah, it's something that happened 100 years ago. I would never suggest to somebody they give it back. That's a matter of your own conscience too, you know. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's lost from a tourist point of view. Oh, yeah. Well, there's two dimensions to Mitchellstown Castle, and you can say this of other houses. There is the tourism dimension, which obviously is business commerce of huge benefit to the country economically. We know what tourism is worth to Ireland. And we know, for example, what happened during COVID when we lost all the tourists and what that did to businesses. 
there's that dimension, but there is also the cultural and historical dimension. Mm. I, I have long argued that Mitchellstown Castle belonged to everybody. I have the same ownership of it as anybody listening to this programme. It was ours. It was built by Irish people. It was built by the rents of tenants of the Kingston estate. Why would you think it belonged to somebody else? It might have been in the name of somebody, but it was actually everybody who built it. When I look at buildings in Mitchellstown, I mean, uh, the the stonework in the castle, which which, uh, I was only thinking about this actually yesterday, the quality of stonework in the castle was phenomenal. You simply will never see a building like that put up in Ireland again. Yeah, it's, it's lost to history because when OK, so it got it got burnt and that was just shocking, absolutely shocking. But the actual structure of the building was was still there. We could still have something like the Rock of Cashel, for yeah. example. But just some people might be unaware. Explain what happened then when what was left, the remnants of the building. Yeah. It, it, the building, first of all, it's it, it was to put it in context. It's it was the biggest new Gothic house in Ireland. Its interior floor space was over an acre. Um, the front tower of the building was 106 feet high, 32.2 metres. That's the same height as the steeple in St. George's Church in Mitchellstone. That just gives you a sense of the scale of it. All this was built with cut limestone. None of that was burned in the sense that all that still stood after the fire. The fire destroyed the, you interior. Know, the, the interior and yeah. everything inside, but the, the building itself was left as a ruin. So the family, as they, as they were entitled to do at the time, they claimed £150,000 compensation for the destruction of the building and in around £20,000, £22,000 for the loss of the contents, which was very small, really, when you think about it. Um, the state did what the state does, and it obviously had a responsibility to pay out as little as possible. So ultimately, um, there was in or about £20,000 paid in compensation for the contents. And the remainder of, of about 21500 was paid for the structure. But there was a condition put on it. The money for the, for the structure had to be used to build tenement houses in Dublin. Not in, in Mitchellstown. Cork County Council actually objected to that at the time because they felt it should be spent. But Dublin in got Cork. the houses. Dublin got the houses. The Alex King Harmon, who was the owner of the castle at that point, um, he subsequently sold those houses at a loss. So he got stung twice. So then, um, realising that he couldn't rebuild, and he didn't intend to rebuild part of the castle. Yeah, he was. He, he knew he could never get it yeah. back to the way it uh, was. But and anyway, it was too big. For, yeah, you know, yeah, too yeah. big. I mean, practically speaking, um, he was planning to sell off his own property in the Midlands. He had a substantial estate there that would have helped finance this. Um, but instead of being able to do all that, he then gave up the ghost. Um, part of the motivation in burning these houses, by the way, was that those involved knew that, that when the, the domains lost their houses, there was no purpose of the domain, therefore the land would be sold off mm. through the Land Commission. And that's what ultimately happened. But in the case of Mitchellstown, um, the stones of the castle were put up for sale for the building of monasteries and convents and schools and all this kind of thing. And um, the monks of Mount Mallory bought um, the vast bulk of the stones now, people are under the misbelief um, or the false assumption that Mitchellstown Castle stones were built in Montmillery. They did. But they also built the, the Cistercian Convent in Glencairn. They also built the entrance to Rockwell College, um, which people would oh, know travelling to. Yeah, yeah, the, those well, big white space yeah, gates. Yeah. That's Mitchellstown Castle stone. Oh. Um, the bricks, for example, were used um, in the gardens of the Christian Brothers Monastery, in the Christian Brothers uh, Cemetery. And... Um, the, the bricks were used for re- building all sorts of things around town. 
Um, another building that was lost at the time was the workhouse, which was privately owned. The owners of that sold the site ultimately. They, they actually had, um, they were planning to put a factory into it uh, from, from a bacon factory and uh, a short making factory and a leather factory. And they sold all the stones of that to Mitchellstown Creameries. And anybody who's ever driven up to the powder plant is actually driving in those stones. And when you're driving the Clambell Road, <sighs> brick by brick, it was the taken down. Now, by contrast, if you think, the workhouses in Mallow and Fomoy became hospitals. Mm. So Mitchellstown lost that as well. And I'm just giving that as an example of the, the wider level of destruction that went on. And, you know, you'd have to say, what did we gain from it? And I, I honestly cannot think of anything that, that benefited us as a nation by burning a house like Mitchellstown Castle. Yeah. I can't and, think and of anything. And the one thing you absolutely show categorically in the book, there was no military no. reason to burn the castle. It was no, no military value. It, it was, and it was sheer... Um, emotion, which, yes, there's a war going on and there's a lot of bitterness and I get all that. But the British were now gone. This happened during our time as owners of this country. Um, so, you, I mean, I was amused recently. Somebody t- tried to tell me the British burned it down. They weren't even here at that stage. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and the local factors involved, can, uh, you know, it's something that came very much home to me in the last year or two, how much the local factor in this determined the ultimate result. I I kind of come to the conclusion and it's not 100% there yet but I think actually even though Liam Lynch very much favoured the destruction of big houses and there's plenty of examples of that like Convermore and Ballyhooley Rock Mills not too far away from it I mean he would have actively supported that in retaliation to other things that happened in, lo- in the locality I can't find any evidence to say that he sanctioned the burning of Mitchellstown Castle and and again because it's important to understand the burning of Mitchellstown Castle was not an isolated event. It does tie in with, in the same 24-hour period, the railway viaduct in Mallow being being blown up, um, uh, the military barracks in Buttevant, the two military barracks in Fomoy, Kilbert Camp, Moor Park Camp, Ballyvenair Camp. They were all lost at the same period. And they were all, uh, you know, with the exception of the bridges that they blew up, um, and even those could be argued as military yeah, objectives. Yeah, because it was getting troops. Yeah. Um, the, when you see the destruction, um, you again come back to why was Mitchellstown different to all the other targets? And the, and the difference was there was a local factor involved in it. I mean, we have, li- we have um, on the day the castle was born, we have de Valera travelling between Mallow, Mitchellstown and Formoy, and as he's proceeding, becoming more and more disillusioned, and um, by the time he got to Fomoy Barracks, where he um, had tea in the officers' mess with Liam Lynch and some of the other officers there, um, he essentially argues with Lynch, if you can't hold a single town, how do you expect to win a republic? Because that was the day that Lynch had decided they were pulling out of Fomoy and de Valera just discovered they were going to burn the two barracks. So it, it's a very pivotal part of the civil war obviously then coloured by the fact that on the same day in Dublin Arthur Griffith dies suddenly mm. and 10 days later Michael Collins is shot yeah, yeah. so all, all, all in the one month all, all yeah. in the one month but it, as you say you know while the castle was very much part of our past it should have been very much part of our future and of that's course. what people should have seen uh, at the time and the, 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 the title Doomed Inheritance very mm. apt well, it, it was the title of my master's thesis was all it? of 20-something years ago. Yeah. Um, and I kind of parted. I was going to use it at another stage as a title for book and then I decided, no, when I got to this one, this was the one that would, would hopefully say it all in the sense that 
photographs and this I've deliberately not published anywhere up to this book. I wanted to keep certain items for this book. Um, and the other thing was that I suppose I want people to be aware of what was lost. We can't undo it. It's gone. That's that. Um, but people need to be aware that, that there was wrong and right on both sides of the civil war. Mm. The the conference we had recently in Mitchellstown, um, we had some members of the King family, the Earls of Kingston's, um, and they really don't understand it because they haven't been brought up to this. They, they're not, I don't get a sense of bitterness because remember, this was their home. They had lived there for 200 years. It was land that they acquired through marriage. They weren't Cromwellians or any of that kind of stuff. They acquired it through marriage. And for them, it's a home that they they feel they perhaps should still have. And I know there's different views to that, but sometimes we have to take off the kind of bit of Republican in all of us and understand it from the human dimension. This was their home. They were turfed out of it. They had everything they had stolen off them. And then the house was burned. Have they family members buried there? Um, yeah, on the, on the 12th of August just passed, um, the 11th Earl of Kingston was buried in the Kingston vault in Mitchellstown. Um, it was a private funeral. I was one of the people at it. Um, and his sister was there for that. Plus, uh, I suppose the, the most senior local, or the most senior member of the family present was Viscount Kingsborough, who's a guy in his 20s, um, who was brought up not knowing that he was a Viscount, not knowing that his father um, was an Earl or is now an Earl. Um, and he only discovered it when he came home from school. He was in school in, in uh, New Zealand and um, came home one day when he was 10 or 12 and said, told his mum that we have, you know, we were given this project in school to look ourselves up in the Internet. And it says that I have a visa account. And she didn't know what she, he was talking about. And then she realised, mm, Charles, no, you don't have a visa account. <laughs> You're a Viscount. Oh, and that was incredible. the first that he knew. So that's they weren't brought up story. to notions, Listen, it's, say, it's, you know? it's a brilliant book. And we've I've literally only scratched the surface in in my chat with you today. On sale locally, as they say in Ogle Bookshops. Yeah, um, if I may dare say, there's yeah. there's some great shops that have supported my stuff down the years. The favourite in Mitchellstown, Phillips and Mallow, Hanley's and Fromoy, the bookshop in Fromoy. Or just give me a tinkle. Um, um, if people want to give me a ring 87 that's 87 well I'm happy to, to it, is, it is well well worth the read and congratulations to you on it because as I say the amount of work uh, and, and dedication but your passion for the story oozes oozes out of every single page so we wish you luck with it uh, Bill and uh, we thank you for joining us in the studio this morning thank you that's uh, author and um, uh, historian Bill Power. Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie Flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.